This is Innovating a Bright Future. Welcome to the show. I'm your host, Aver Kreibold, with Innovating a Bright Future, where I walk you through the innovative and revolutionary technology driving climate action and laying the foundation for a sustainable future. Today's conversation is with Chris Biederman, Chief of Technology at the lithium-ion battery recycling company called Lifecycle. In this show, we're going to look at why batteries are important and why they are needing replaced. We are also going to dig into Lifecycle's recycling process, which makes massive improvements on the typical methods of battery recycling. Enjoy the show. Welcome, Mr. Chris Biederman, to the show. You're from Lifecycle, the lithium-ion battery recycling and material recovery company. You have a bunch of experience in engineering, project management, technology development. You're working on, as I said, that battery recovery to make it more economic and using new processes to make it easier and also significantly more environmentally friendly for climate and emissions reasons. Chris Biederman, I'm Lifecycle's chief technology officer. So what I do at Lifecycle is really look after our research and development work. I also look after our intellectual property portfolio. So when we patent things and move it from research into what we call commercialization, and that's really taking it from the bench or the pilot and turning it into to reality. So that's my job, and also to look forward at what's coming through the pipeline with respect to batteries and all the different technologies that we're, we're tied into. You nailed my background, too. I'm a chemical engineer by training. I'm a process engineer at heart, so that means I like to design plants, uh, specifically in hydrometallurgy and water treatment, and been very active in the mining sector, but also doing things like bench-scale testing and, and pilot-scale testing in my career. So. I've seen a lot of different things, and I've been very fortunate in that regard. Yeah, it sounds like you have a pretty wide set of experiences. So we know that batteries, with the acceleration of renewable energy, storage, wind, hydropower, we're going to need energy storage. And one of those solutions is the lithium-ion battery, which has been powering your personal devices, phones, computers, everything like that for many years now. And it's starting to be used in cars and utility energy storage. So you work on recovering the materials from these batteries. But why can't we just keep using the batteries over and over? What's causing them to be decommissioned and need to be recycled? It's a good question. And I'll I'll start by saying I'm not a, a battery scientist. I know how to take them apart and recover what's in, inside them. But in general, a, a battery is similar to any product that you can buy right now. And that is, it's got a, a design life for various reasons. And when it comes to batteries in particular, the, the charging and the discharging or the cycles that you go through are not 100%, 100% efficient in that you, you start to lose capacity of your battery as you continue to go through cycles. And it's, it's a chemical reason. It's not a fully reversible reaction in that case. So what you end up with, and you've probably experienced this with your, your phone or your iPad, is that 
it, it starts out having a, a solid battery life. And over time, as you use it and charge it and discharge it, that battery life starts to diminish. And so what ends up happening is when it reaches the point where it's considered its end of life, we, we need to pull the materials back out of it so that we can reuse them. They're finite metals in a lot of cases like cobalt and nickel and lithium. That's really what Lifecycle is trying to do with the technologies that we have is to utilize those materials again, knowing that the alternative is to, to find new material and dig it out of the ground and mine it. Battery capacity loss is one of the most common reasons for a battery to be replaced. And when you think about it, capacity loss is also a common reason for entire devices to be replaced. Lithium-ion batteries are the most established method of energy storage, which is why it's being considered an option for grid-scale energy storage. It's also the reason that we need to be able to recycle the materials found in a battery. The chemical processes that store and release energy are something we will go into more next season, but they can be pretty damaging. Every time the reactions take place, some material is permanently bonded, which takes away its ability to store energy and decreases the capacity. The more you discharge a battery, the more damage occurs. The memory effect is another reason for loss of capacity, and it is the tendency of a battery to lose capacity based on how fully it is charged before discharge again. This also has to do with complex battery chemistry, but basically if you consistently charge a battery only 50%, eventually that battery will only have half of its original capacity. Overall, lithium-ion batteries lose their capacity and need to be replaced relatively quickly. Because of that, battery waste is going to continue to increase as we electrify various aspects of our lives. But maybe to your point too, when you look at things like electric vehicles, there's a variety of reasons why we would get electric vehicle batteries, some of which could be uh, recalls, some of which could be accidents, for example. So. If you're in a car accident with a lithium-ion battery and there's a potential risk that it's, it's not the same as it was when it was manufactured, then there's a driver there to, to recycle it, to pull the materials back out and put them again back into that supply chain to make new batteries. So there's a couple different streams of these batteries coming in that can't be used anymore. And one of the big ones is just that general wearing down of a battery. You see it in computers and phones. You just lose the amount of charge time that you can actually use. So you mentioned a couple, nickel, cobalt, lithium. I think those are the main ones. Are those the majority of the materials you're trying to pull out? Or what else are you looking for when you're recycling those materials? It's a good question. Maybe I'll, maybe I'll take the opportunity to talk a little bit about our technology, and that might help frame, frame the question. So Lifecycle runs a Let's call it a two-stage process. We, we intake batteries into what we call our spoke facilities, and those are decentralized plants, meaning that we can install them wherever there's highest supply of batteries. And that could be uh, consumer batteries, like, as you mentioned, your laptop, your, your phone, your tablets, uh, drill batteries, or even things like vape pens, for example, that have embedded batteries in them. Or we can co-locate with auto manufacturers that are making batteries. Uh, and the benefit to that is uh, as you manufacture a battery, not all of it is is perfect in that you have a, a certain scrap rate and that scrap is still valuable. It has the same materials as an actual battery. It just doesn't meet specifications. So there's a need to recover the, re the materials from those those scraps as well. So back to the technology, our spokes actually intake all of those different forms of batteries or scrap and we 
process them in a, a wet shredder, which means that we effectively, I'm going to call it disassemble. Uh, we shred them up underwater. And the reason we do that is a couple of reasons. One, we can take in any state of charge. And the reason is it'll release energy when you shred it, but it all goes into that water phase and it dissipates that energy effectively. So we, we don't have any issues. It also helps with dusting. The reality is when you disassemble a phone in, in the way that we do, or a battery, for example, it has a lot of dust associated. So from our spoke facilities, when we disassemble these batteries or shred them, we get a couple of products. We get plastics, which is what houses your battery. So if you think of a drill battery that you would use, a handheld drill, it's it's got a plastic housing. So we shred it with the housing and that that plastic will float and we can recover it. There's also plastic components within the battery themselves, the separators. So we recover that as well. And we call it a mixed plastics product. And that goes off back into the economy for, for uh, other businesses that use it. We also get a, a shredded foils product. So the, the foils in the battery, the aluminum and the copper, we recover that and it has a copper value. So that goes back into the copper production chain that exists within the economy. And lastly, we get what we call black mass. That's what the industry calls it. It's the graphite and the metal oxides in the battery. And that's really what contains all the metals that you mentioned, the nickel, the cobalt, uh, the lithium, and, and the others, depending on the battery chemistry. And so that material is really what we're after. And what our next step is, is our hub process. And those are centralized, fairly large hydrometallurgy plants. We take that black mass from our spoke and we use a variety of chemical engineering unit operations like tanks and pumps and filters. And we produce a whole bunch of battery grade products. So cobalt sulfate, nickel sulfate, lithium carbonate, and a bunch of other products as well. And really what we're doing is we're driving towards recovering essentially all of what comes into our facilities as batteries comes out the back end in a variety of different products that we then sell. So we're going after pretty much everything within the battery as products and getting them back into the economy in different forms. Yeah, that's even more than I expected. I didn't realize that it was so holistic in its approach. We talk about this circular economy a lot where you put in something and you get back everything that you put in. And I didn't realize that uh, life cycle was so circular in that sense. I didn't realize you were covering all of those materials. We do. And again, it's not a like for like use in the case of our plastics, for example. We, they don't go back into batteries or housings in particular. But in the case of the metals and a lot of them, uh, particularly the cobalt, nickel and lithium, the drive there is to get those back into batteries because they are finite. They're deemed critical materials in, in the US or in North America. And so it's important that we keep those in the supply chain and we reuse them. The concept of critical materials is actually kind of new since general manufacturing has begun to require a more diverse range of components, mostly for electronics. Critical materials are usually elements that are important to the economy in some way usually manufacturing, are at risk of reduced supply for any number of reasons, including things like unrest in countries who produce the materials, and a notable lack of substitutes, alternative resources that can be, in theory, used in place of the desired component. Cobalt, nickel, and lithium are not only deemed critical materials, making them expensive and difficult to acquire, but the mining processes for these materials, like most mining, disrupt surrounding ecosystems, uses heavy machinery that emits large amounts of CO2, and requires lots of water that often needs to be pumped in from other places. 
Lithium mining is not the worst form of material extraction. It uses liquid extraction and the evaporation of water to leave behind lithium. While this process is better than other mining, it still emits a lot of CO2 and consumes an incredible amount of water, which is why recycling materials using sustainable methods like life cycles is so important, especially considering it is cheaper and more reliable than traditional mining. Yeah, that's great. That's a great process. So if you compare that to what typical material recovery is like, specifically battery material recovery, through things like smelting, how do those two processes compare? How is life cycle improving on that? And what was actually the problem in the first place that life cycle needed to improve on? I wouldn't, I wouldn't call it a problem. I would say that the mining and smelting and refining pathway for metals is well established and we rely on it for a lot of the materials that we need. And arguably the the materials in a battery now have likely gone through that process to, to become the products that we use. So I think that's a very important pathway. What we looked at as Lifecycle is that there may be a better way that's less environmentally intensive, I would say, in that we take an already refined product, being a lithium-ion battery that has refined nickel, cobalt, and lithium in it, and we're we're just, instead of going way back to the beginning and smelting it, we're we're actually getting it out by wet chemical means. And so what that means is effectively we use chemistry to extract those metals from the black mass that we generate from lithium-ion batteries or manufacturing scrap. And why is that important? It looks at the emissions profile and, and how we actually do smelting. And again, not to, not to dismiss that chain, it's very important, but it also is very energy intensive. It, it, it has emissions associated with it. And we've then said, well, we can do it with chemistry and we can reduce the environmental impact of that, specifically around water and specifically around emissions, we can start to reduce that if we're taking an already refined product and really applying chemistry to, to help extract it and, re and get it back into that supply chain. So as I understand it, the smelting process takes quite a bit of heat and it's actually melting down those the metals. And that's not exactly what Lifecycle is doing. They're taking a different approach than that. And that's where a lot of the energy savings is coming from. Yeah, you're spot on. So smelting is a, call it a thermal process. So it, it involves high temperatures and high temperature processes. Whereas in our hub, which is a hydrometallurgical facility, and what we do is we take in the same feedstock as black mass, but instead of applying thermal methods, what we end up doing to get into the the weeds on the chemistry is we we leach that material, which is a typical unit operation in, in hydromet, meaning we dissolve all the metals that are in the black mass and we bring them into a water-based solution. And then we systematically pull them back out again as, as the products that we want. Chris says that smelting is an important process, and he's right. Smelting is basically heating up a material enough to extract a desired product. It has been used and is continuing to be used in the basic material extraction process of mining. In smelting, lithium is mined from the ground and then that ore, which is a combination of rock, minerals, and other elements along with the lithium, is smelted to drive off everything except the lithium. It is heated to high temperatures and then combined with other elements that reduce the ore down until all that's left is the lithium itself. Even though this process is important, the energy and the chemicals that are used to refine the ore leave much to be desired from the process. Hydrometallurgy is Lifecycle's answer to that problem. 
The process that takes place in the hub facilities places the black mass in water and uses chemical reactions to draw out the unwanted parts, leaving behind only the usable products. The energy required for this process is much, much less than that of smelting, and the chemical byproducts are easy to collect and can then be reused or sold as their own product. With batteries and these critical materials becoming more and more important, we need a new age solution to recycle those old resources in a way that leaves no doubt of its economic and environmental advantage. Thanks to Lifecycle, that process is now available. So what that means is we run at low temperatures, and in our case, less than 80 degrees Celsius and even lower, for example. So you're not boiling water, you're not driving off emissions. It's quite a low energy process compared to a thermal-based process. Yeah, that's pretty incredible. I didn't know that was possible, like using the chemistry to pull those metals out and put them back together as they can be used in the future. So how do you use those metals? You mentioned earlier that they go through the spoke first and then the hub. So as I understand it, you take the batteries, you shred them up, you get the black mass, and then the hub process, the hydrometallurgical, <laughs> something like that. Uh, and then you can actually reform them into the components that go directly into batteries. You got it 90% of the way there, I would say. So what we kick out of the back end of our hub process, let's, let's talk about nickel and cobalt. We, we, we produce a, a nickel sulfate and a cobalt sulfate product. And the target for those two products is, is battery grade specification. And what that means is that that material can be streamed into the manufacture or remanufacture of lithium ion batteries. There's an intermediate step they call like a precursor chemical. So really what you do when you make a battery is you, you find the right or you have the right ratio of say a nickel to cobalt to lithium. And I'm, I'm simplifying the process, but generally speaking, what we'll supply is the raw materials that would feed into that blend. And then other companies would then produce that blend and feed that into a, a battery manufacturing environment. So we're part of that supply chain. We don't get into the precursor or the battery manufacturing at this point. We're really selling uh, materials into the supply chain that then goes on to make lithium ion batteries. Right. You say you aren't the person who's actually manufacturing the batteries, but you are the most integral part of making that into a more circular economy. If you weren't there, it would just be the mining straight to the manufacturer, and that's where it would end. Then, then all those materials would stay used and you wouldn't be able to recover them like you guys are. So why is this so important? What are we going to see as the impacts of material recovery in general and especially life cycles process? Cost, the environmental impact, what are the biggest things that this system is going to affect in terms of the future of battery manufacturing? I think it, it contributes to the as I said, that, that supply chain of, of the critical materials. So if you look, the demand for lithium-ion batteries is growing. And I'll give you an example. I, I'm sure this is the same in your household, but I can sit here at my desk and see I've got a couple of handheld devices. I've got a laptop that this is running off of, a speaker that's got an embedded lithium-ion battery and an electronic pencil. So within arm's reach right now, there are five, six devices that are all running off lithium-ion batteries. And if I did a walk around the house, I'm sure that would multiply pretty quickly. And so 
I think that lithium-ion batteries and batteries in general are becoming more prevalent the more we want wearable technologies and, and technologies in general. So that's all fueled by by batteries and the development of different kinds of batteries. So I think as Lifecycle, we're we're seeing that we're seeing the development and the the rollout of electric vehicles as well and energy storage. So we're really just becoming part of that, understanding that when those devices reach their end of life. Uh, we need to be able to pull those materials back into the supply chain. Otherwise, we're going to rely more and more on trying to find new sources of cobalt and nickel. And if it's a finite resource, you're best to use what you've already developed, in my opinion, and and supplement the supply chain in that regard. Uh, I think we're only going to see this continue to happen. And what it does is it also, again, going back to the environmental impact, it also helps to reduce that environmental impact by taking a product that someone or a group of people, in fact, a large group of people have already spent a lot of time and effort to develop a refined phone or an iPad. And we're, we're really just making sure that the materials required to build more of those are, are still readily available. That actually takes us perfectly into the next point, which is going to be, what do you see in the future of batteries? You said that we're going to continue to need this technology. And we're going to continue that kind of circular economy idea of using those already refined materials again. But do you think that the lithium ion recovery that Lifecycle is focusing on right now is going to be a long term solution when you take into account new energy storage techniques like, well, hydrogen on a utility scale, but even liquid metal batteries or solid state batteries from? Tesla, Elon Musk, or QuantumScape, those companies that are looking at new battery technologies, how is that going to integrate into energy storage? When you think about one of their main principles is they're using materials that are less scarce than these cobalts, nickels, and lithium. So what do you think is the future for lithium-ion battery recovery in relation to future battery technology? I'll talk a little bit about what our pipeline looks like. And we're at the the beginning, I would say, of a mass rollout of EVs. And maybe that's not a correct statement in all different countries. But certainly, the more I look around my neighborhood, the more I start to see electric vehicles. And that's only been the last five to 10 years. And what that means is that we've already started filling that pipeline of lithium-ion batteries and and what's in electric vehicles and what's in devices. And they have a, a lifespan that's still being figured out as more of these vehicles either reach their end of life or recalls or things of that nature. So from our perspective, there's a solid pipeline of lithium-ion batteries coming in the future. And we're we're right at the beginning or close to the beginning of that coming through. So from us, there's a lot of potential and you're starting to see more announcements with a lot of the OEMs coming out around um, switching their fleets over to or their offerings over to electric vehicles. All that's to say a lot of lithium-ion batteries in the future are going to be coming to their end of life and into recycling and resource recovery. How it relates to the future, I think the beauty of technology is it constantly evolves. So that's the same for for battery technology. And you hit the nail on the head there and talking about solid-state batteries and things of that nature. I think that's all positive. And what my job is, is to look ahead and understand, well, if we do transition to primarily solid state and electric vehicles, what does that look like for our business and what impact could it have? And how does it align with our technologies that we currently have? And what do we need to develop to to be ready for that? So I think it'll be a mix and I can't predict the future. I don't know what the future looks like for hydrogen. It's it's interesting, but I've not not delved too far into that. 
When I was thinking about this question, I was thinking of like how fast the technologies are coming, solid states and liquid metal battery technologies. But I think it's a good point to remember that the recycling phase and the end of life phase is lagging behind the actual production of batteries. So even if we start moving towards solid state batteries, we're still going to have those lithium ion batteries coming in that need to be properly recycled and those materials recovered. That's a very good point that I didn't really take into account before. So I think that's most of the long answer questions that I wanted answered, but I have a couple of quick ones that I want you to kind of answer as fast as you can. Are you ready for that? Oh, geez, the surprise questions. (laughs) Sure, fire away. All right. The first question is between your spoke and your hub facilities, which process do you like more and why? Oh, they're both my babies, but of course the chemical one is mine, so I'll have to go with the hub. Fair enough. In terms of dealing with climate change, do you believe more in climate mitigation, like reducing emissions and finding alternative sources of energy, or adaptation, getting ready for what could be the inevitable effects of climate change? That's a tough one. I think both. I don't think you can pick one or the other. I think we have to be doing things like we're doing is reducing our environmental impact as a society, but we also have to be looking at uh, what the implications might be if we don't hit our targets. So I think it's a combination. That question usually gets an answer similar to that, is that if we focus on either one individually, it's not going to work out great. We need both. For the next question, would you say politics, economics, or technology? I'm an engineer at heart, so I would say technology is is where I like to live. For vehicles, and I know you're more based on batteries and within batteries, the actual processes of recovery, but mostly just in your opinion, what do you think is going to accelerate faster or become more integrated between hydrogen vehicles or electric vehicles, standard electric vehicles? I have to be biased, of course. I think the electric vehicles already have a pretty strong foothold. I'm myself eagerly waiting for the electric pickups to start rolling out because I think those are wonderful. So, Fair enough, fair enough. This is just my opinion, but I think the batteries are closer to becoming more popular. You see Tesla's cars more than you see, for example, the Toyota Mirai around you see more of the the standard electric than the hydrogen electric at this stage. So the last question I have is a little bit longer if you want. Given what you're seeing in your industry and taking into account these ideas of the circular economy and materials recycling, do you think that we can use these tools to fully integrate batteries with renewable energy and other resources like that in order to decarbonize and reach the goal of carbon neutrality by 2050? Do you think that's possible? Gee, that's a loaded question. Uh, I would say, maybe I'll frame it a little differently. I, I think we can be more efficient. So I think certainly in Ontario, in Quebec, for example, looking at Canada, we our power generation uh, driven by hydroelectric is is quite green. And if you can piggyback that with electric vehicles, then I think that's a very good model. And I think you see some of the Scandinavian companies are very similar driving towards electric vehicles. Whether that's going to fully meet our targets and all, I I don't know. At the end of the day, I think it's a 
a way of doing it. I think it's an important way of doing it. And again, I'm giving you my own opinion on this. So at the end of the day, I don't think it's an easy answer, but it's part of the answer is that how do we as society and consumers drive that change in climate? Because I think that's the big shift that has to happen is if we can go to electric vehicles, for example, how does that impact? If we can build businesses like Lifecycle that help reduce the impact further at the end of life of some of the, the consumer products um, and electric vehicles that we use, then I think that's, that's a very positive step forward. Is there somewhere that listeners can find you and Lifecycle? They want to find out a little bit more? We've got a website, obviously. We've got LinkedIn. We've got Twitter. I would say absolutely. You can reach us anyway. And I think uh, within our website, there's also ways to get in touch with us uh, if there's any questions or follow-up. Well, thank you so much. I find this concept and the concept of the circular economy really interesting. And it's something that everyone can take part in. I think that's really important. So thanks for coming on and sharing that with me. Oh, thanks for having me. That was a super interesting conversation with Chris Biederman, chemical engineer and chief technology officer at Lifecycle. Batteries are quickly becoming more and more important, and Lifecycle's technology is a great step in the right direction when it comes to battery sustainability. There was some really interesting stuff in this episode, and let's be honest, the guy just has a great voice. I'll put the links to Lifecycle's websites in the show notes, along with their LinkedIn and Twitter if you want to check them out more, as well as our social media so that you can follow for updates and get in touch. I hope you learned something new from this episode. I actually learned quite a bit. If you enjoyed the show, please share it with one or two people close to you and encourage them to give it a listen. Thank you so much for being here. Stay innovative. I'll see you next week.